Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools we need to grow and change. I know a lot of people who, like me, are avid podcast listeners. I listen to a lot of podcasts each week while I'm exercising or driving or just trying to make good use of my time. And I hope this Open Your Eyes podcast can do exactly that for you. And if it does, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you tune in. That way, you automatically get the next podcast as it is released each week. And most of all, I hope wherever you're listening right now, you'll hear something today that will improve your way of thinking, that will open your eyes a bit more to who you are and what you can become. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the power of positive reframing. If you enter the Museo Galileo in Florence, Italy, you'll find a human finger on display. And not just any finger, it's the actual finger of Italian astronomer Galileo Galilei. There, upright in a glass case, Galileo's finger points skyward to the heavens. Now, the finger is likely the very one Galileo used to pen his theories of heliocentrism, or the notion that the Earth revolves around the sun. In the Catholic world of the 16th and 17th century, educated people believed that the Earth was the center of the universe, and all heavenly bodies revolved around it. Why this belief? Because they thought it was written in the Bible. You see, Psalms 104 verse 5 says, The Lord set the earth upon its foundations, and it can never be moved. As a result, for centuries, the papacy insisted the earth was the center of the universe. But to Galileo, this made little sense. You see, he had a newly invented telescope, a new window to the solar system. Through it, he discovered the moons of Jupiter, now called the Galilean moons. These were heavenly bodies that did not orbit the Earth, something no one had ever proven before. He saw the phases of Venus, proving that Venus traveled to the far side of the Sun and didn't rotate around the Earth. And his observations of stars, comets, and the relative movement of planets around the Sun led to his writings. However, his writings led to his imprisonment. In 1633, Galileo was brought before the Roman Inquisition and found guilty of heresy. His crime? Having held the opinion that the Sun lies motionless at the center of the universe and that the Earth is not at its center and moves and that he held and defended this opinion as probable after it had been declared contrary to Holy Scripture. He was sentenced to prison and later commuted to house arrest, and there he would be imprisoned for the rest of his life. Have you ever felt in prison, unable to overcome a habit or stuck in a circumstance of life, trying to work through a difficult relationship but unable to find a way out? Maybe you're in a full-time job, that you know isn't fulfilling or meeting your life's purpose. Or maybe you've started a new business and you're getting criticism from family. Or maybe you're in debt and unable to find financial freedom. If so, take a lesson from Galileo. After going to prison and being forced to recant his theory that the earth rotated around the sun, as the story goes, one day Galileo was being moved from his prison cell to the location of his house arrest. As Galileo emerged from his prison, 
He looked up to the sky, then down to the ground. Then, stamping the earth with his foot, and with a defiant tone, he said, Albeit it doth move, or, and yet it moves, meaning the earth moves. It moves around the sun. You see, they could imprison him, force him to publicly recant, or even keep him from publishing his theories. But none of that changed the fact that the earth still moved around the sun. Now, today, Galileo is called the father of modern physics. His theories in astronomy, engineering, and physics form the basis for much of modern science. He knew that his prison, the criticism he was receiving, nothing could change his belief, his knowledge, that was based on his actual view of the universe. Now, like Galileo, why do some people seem clear about where they're headed? How do they do more, achieve more, and earn more? And why do they seem happier and more satisfied? The answer is that they have what Galileo had, a telescope, a lens, a frame, a tool to see things as they really are, not as we suppose them to be. Galileo's window to the solar system gave him the power and ability to stamp his foot to the ground and say, and yet the earth moves. To stay on course when the push and the pull of all around him tried to sway him in a different direction. People who are not moved seem to have a fixed view and the ability to only see their end goal. These people take risks. They take calculated risks and even sometimes fail. But they have the ability to stand firm in their resolve and see things through. So, how do you acquire this kind of expectancy, and empowered faith? Well, it begins with your prevailing belief, your belief window. Your belief window is the lens through which you view and your brain interprets your daily interactions. For example, if your prevailing view is one in which you believe you're lucky or capable or inspired, you act accordingly. And this prevailing view interprets all that goes on in your life. Just as Galileo interpreted all things in the universe through his telescope, we interpret our experiences through our lens of mindset or purpose. For example, while I am far from perfect, I happen to be a person who believes in God. So my view is that he made me, is aware of me, and has given me a purpose. Therefore, with this prevailing view— I try to interpret life less in terms of worldly accomplishments and possessions and more in terms of what I think matters to God. And this causes me to interpret my experiences through this lens, what I believe will happen at the end of life and the eternal destiny of us all. And this causes my belief window to automatically exclude things that are not important to that prevailing belief. And this frees me up to remain focused on that end purpose. The famous golfer Jack Nicholas taught this principle most powerfully. He says that the best golfers in the world have the unique ability to see the end goal and control their prevailing belief. You see, when most golfers step up to the tee box, they're thinking, don't hit it into the trees or don't hit it left into that hazard or don't hit it into the water. The best golfers in the world have a positive expectancy an inner certainty that causes them to not see the trees or the hazards or the water. They only see the place 
where they want to hit the ball in the middle of the fairway or on the green. And Nicholas says that this is the significant ability that sets apart the very best golfers from the rest. It's what they see when they're at the tee. Too many of us fail to take calculated risks in life because we only see the hazards, the trees, the water. And our prevailing belief window lets through the doubts and the worries of what can happen, and this impacts our end performance. Our expectancy doesn't force out the worries. I've seen hundreds of people start a new business, and at the start of that business, they're thinking of all the things that could go wrong. They think of how their daily schedule will have to change and how inconvenient that will be. And they imagine the difficulties that will come their way. And all of this is imprinted on their belief window. So when the inconveniences come about and the difficulties arise, that worrisome view is validated and magnified because it's on their belief window. All the while, others who start the same type of business understand that there's limitations and risks. But their expectancy, their focus is on the end goal and the right activities and the good things that will come about. So when inconveniences and difficulties arise, they see these things as means to an end, challenges to address and learning to be learned. You see, one view magnifies concerns, forcing us to stay in our way of doing or play it safe. And the other view minimizes the same concerns expects positivity, frees up our risk-taking energy, and empowers us with the feeling of possibility. After Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, graduated from college, he was offered jobs at Intel, Anderson Consulting, and a few other major companies. He chose a startup instead. Then he moved on to work for a hedge fund. But despite the financial security of Wall Street and the hedge fund, He founded Amazon in his garage on July 5th, 1994. At first, he named the company Cadabra. He borrowed $300,000 from his parents and warned them that there was a 70% chance that Cadabra would fail. Cadabra was an online bookstore. And in that garage, Bezos and a few employees started developing the software for the new website. And within a year, they had expanded their operations to a two-bedroom house. The name of the company was changed to Amazon after the Amazon River because the name began with the letter A. And they thought this would give them an advantage in alphabetical searches. The Amazon store site was launched in 1995, and Amazon started shipping books across the United States and other countries. Bezos chose to sell and ship books because they were the most traded online commodities at the time. At 34 years of age, Bezos then decided to expand into electronics, toys, clothes, and the Amazon we know today started to take shape. So why was Bezos able to do what others don't do? Why did he leave his secure full-time job, his potential for a solid salary and comfortable life, and risk it on something no one had done before? How was he able to take a calculated risk and have the solid belief, the positive expectancy to see it through? Well, Bezos says that it was his view. He said, for me, I had to project myself forward to age 80. And I don't want to be 80 years old cataloging a bunch of major regrets of my life. 
You see, that view of not wanting regrets at the age of 80 resulted in Bezos having the wherewithal to do something of great value. He expected differently. He framed his life and efforts in a frame of reference different from others. In a recent Inc. Magazine survey, business founders from all industries were asked what was their view that propelled them forward and enabled them to risk and succeed. They said it was asking themselves a simple question. And that question was, will my life's work feel incomplete if I don't pursue this passion? So let me ask you, what lens are you looking through? What is your frame of reference? What telescope, so to speak, is forming or framing your belief? Do you want your life's work to be meaningful? Is that your lens? Or is your lens the immediate worries of the day or job or risk you may consider taking? When I was a young man, I was not a risk taker. I was worried I would fail, it would take hard work, and my prevailing mindset was limited at best. But that began to change for me as a result of an incredible teacher, Coach Davis Knight. Coach Knight was an English teacher, theater instructor, debate coach, and football coach, but he was much more than that. He was inspiring, and he was not afraid to expect, demand, and get the best from his students. On the athletic field, the veins would swell on his neck as he would bark commands. He'd say, we're going to make it to the turf, meaning we would play in the state championship game on the artificial turf at the university stadium. Coach Knight got his hooks in me when I played football, but it wasn't on the football field where I turned around my way of thinking about myself and my abilities. It was in class. One day, he walked up to me and told me I was going to be on the debate team. I was taken back. I didn't like debate. I didn't like speaking in front of people, and I wasn't signed up for the class. It wasn't a popular thing to do, and most of all, I was super afraid to try. But when Davis Knight says you're on the debate team, you're on the debate team. He even chose my debate events extemporaneous debate and impromptu speaking. In both events, you're handed a topic, given a few minutes to prepare and expected to speak on the topic like an expert. It was way out of my comfort zone. My mindset only allowed me to see everything that could go wrong. I would be embarrassed, make mistakes, subject myself to ridicule, and that was all I could see at the time. I couldn't see the end possibility of who I could become if I gave myself to this opportunity. But Coach Knight was always there, pushing me forward. Slowly, I learned to organize my thinking, improve my language, look people in the eye, upgrade my argument, elevate my posture, and rise to become better than I had been before. And of all the things that happened to me as a young man, this was one of the most significant. You see, I lost the first three debate matches badly. But Coach Knight was there. Come on, Chris. He called me Chris because of my last name, Christensen. Come on, Chris, you could do better than that. You've got it inside you. Step up and be yourself, he'd say. And I did. Each time, my view changed. And I started to realize that I had it inside of me. I started to win. You see, I started to realize, to see with real eyes, that I had talent inside of me. Perhaps the most memorable day was before our state championship debate meet. Coach Knight gathered us in a room and gave us a pep talk. It was glorious. He yelled, got red-faced, hit the wall, gave us the speech of a lifetime. 
At the end of his speech, he said, I want all of you to go up and brush up against Chris and let some of his winning ways rub off on you. He knows how to win. He knows how to make it to the turf. The reason that was so great is because the debate team was filled with very cute girls. And all throughout the day, they would walk up to me, brush up against me, slide their fingers through my hair and give me little hugs. I thought, boy, I love Coach Knight. I get goosebumps when I recall his voice saying, come on, Chris, you can do better than that. You've got it inside of you. Step up and be yourself. And it impacts me still to this day. I say the same thing to you. Come on, Jill. Come on, Mike, Brooke, Joe, whatever your name might be. You've got it inside of you. Step up and be yourself. Come on, Mark. Come on, Courtney. Come on, Stephanie. Step up. You have more talent inside of you than you know. You're endowed with gifts that are unique to you. And if you'll just fix your view on who you can become and the possibilities of your life, you will come to magnify those talents. Perhaps you've doubted in the past, only seen the hazards, but that day ends today. You can and will only see where you will land. And when you do, you will find that you are better than you ever possibly imagined. You will find who and what you were meant to be. Now, why take calculated risks? Why try that new business? Why throw yourself into that new endeavor with all your heart? Why risk your reputation by trying something new? Because that type of risk-taking empowers you. Research has shown that the benefits that come your way from trying something new, stepping out of your comfort zone, and taking on something you can be passionate about, creates purpose, energy, and passion. Your life will get infused, your brain and emotions awakened with energy. This is the stuff that life is made of. And it doesn't have to be some great thing like starting Amazon. It can be something smaller, like a business from home, or learning to debate, or setting your course on a new career. The stuff of life is made from a new purpose. Everything in your life is improved by passion and challenge. And your brain works harder, and you learn and grow in those circumstances. And it teaches you how to deal with failure and overcome challenges. Taking calculated risks makes you more adaptable. And that, in turn, infuses you with confidence and a clearer view to try the next thing. It helps you create standards and values in your life. How? Well, you see, by trying new things and taking risks, you're exposed to new circumstances and people and points of view. And in this exposure, you solidify your view of what's important to you. Even if you fail in part, you will likely feel satisfied with your attempts and strengthened internally. And more than anything else, you'll be less afraid to try what's next. You see, taking calculated risks with positive expectancy is life-changing. And taking risks is easier when you have a telescope, a belief window that knows you can do what you set out to do. So, how do you get that type of belief window? Well, you aren't born with it. And it doesn't happen automatically, and it doesn't appear out of nowhere. We have to build that window. And that is done by framing and reframing. Cognitive framing is a technique used to shift your mindset so that you're able to look at a situation, person, or relationship from a different perspective. And when that frame is shifted or reframed, the meaning of what you experience changes. 
and the thinking and behavior often change along with it. Now, a good counselor may help you reframe your mindset by using the following four basic steps. First, they would help you educate yourself about the thinking patterns you currently use. Negative patterns that impact your life are called cognitive distortions, and they result in negative thinking, stressors, or unwanted behavior. So you must learn to recognize them and understand what they are. Second, they would help you learn how to be aware of your negative thought patterns, to be mindful of your thoughts and gain the skills to view them as an independent observer might view them. Sometimes a counselor will ask you to keep a journal or record what happens so that you can see and identify those patterns. And this lens, this view will open your eyes to these patterns and how to catch yourself and how to keep yourself from acting in a certain way the next time these patterns begin to take shape. Third, you will learn how to challenge those thoughts and negative patterns by asking important questions. Like, is what you're telling yourself true? Or which way of seeing things serves you better? And fourth, they will help you replace your thoughts with more productive and positive patterns. For example, have you ever been to a hospital and noticed that the nurses often ask people about their discomfort rather than pain? This is reframing in action. You see, the reason that they use that question with that word is this. If the patient is in searing pain, the term discomfort becomes annoying and seems to reflect a disconnect in understanding, and the patient will act accordingly. But if the pain is mild, reframing it as discomfort can actually minimize the experience of pain for many patients. So, health practitioners are taught to use the word discomfort to reframe the circumstance. Similarly, other types of reframing helps you truthfully assess your own patterns. For example, you may use words or techniques to change your self-talk, to use less negative emotion and view the circumstance or feeling as a challenge rather than a threat. This reframing may help you look for the gift in each situation and see if you can see the more positive elements that are real to see them in a way that still fits the facts of your situation, but are less negative and more optimistic and positive. So, these four basic steps outline the simple process of reframing. Learn about your thought patterns, observe them objectively, challenge them with the right questions and skills, and replace them with more productive and positive patterns. But today, I'd like to give you some simple and quick reframing techniques that you can put into action right now and apply them easily in your daily thinking. Now, research has shown that people who stay committed to a thing and successfully change are able to do something other people cannot. When tested by giving them a small setback, quick reframers were easily able to quickly return to the positive. They pivoted their thinking. They rarely dwelt on failure. They didn't replay it, make it into a catastrophe, or fall into a spiral of negative thoughts. Have you ever done that? Dwelt on a setback, or made a mountain of a molehill, or replayed it over and over again? Of course, we all have. I believe dwelling obsessively on what we do wrong, or our perceived weaknesses, is one of the greatest obstacles to our taking risks and change. 
doubt is a mental habit, and it can and does spread to other areas of your life. So we change that with positive reframing. Some call it mental pivoting. It means we pivot the direction of our thoughts and move in a different, more positive direction. Reframing helps us take the way we think about setbacks, change our view of it, and put it in a more productive state of mind. Let me give you a few simple reframing tools. The first is to consider the opposite but also true. Let's say you've been trying to overcome a habit and failed again. Or let's say you set a goal to do certain activities today to exercise or build your new business and didn't do what you set out to do. As a result, you start going down the path of your usual negative thought pattern, such as I'm a failure or I can't seem to do what I set out to do. And when this negative pattern emerges, employ the framing technique of asking, what is the opposite but also true? Perhaps the answer might be, I have made progress, or yes, I gave into my habit, but I do it less frequently than before. This reframing technique helps you avoid catastrophizing every setback and helps you break free from the negative thought patterns and enables you to see the progress or positive involved. So next time you encounter a mistake or setback, think of the opposite but also true and do this repeatedly and you'll reframe those patterns. Next, let's talk about the reframing tool called Give It New Meaning. So you got off to a slow start with your business. You haven't found new customers or done what you set out to do. And your typical thought pattern would be to consider yourself a failure or unable or unlike those who can or have succeeded. And the truth is, you may have done the right activities, you just didn't do enough of the right activities. So assign your circumstances new meaning. And that new meaning might be, You're better prepared or more skilled today than when you started. You're smarter, you're wiser, so reframe it. And the reframe might be, if you started again, just like you did at the very beginning with a new decision and commitment today to build that business, given your experience you've gained thus far, you are much better qualified than you were when you started as a rookie. It means that your experience thus far isn't wasted. Fail early, succeed sooner. As Henry Ford said, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. The next reframing tool is to update the time frame. Let's say you didn't achieve your exercise or weight loss goals in the time frame you expected. This could typically sidetrack you and cause you to stop. However, you're going to reframe by just updating with a new time frame. The truth is that it might take six weeks longer than you initially thought but you're smarter and more capable. You have the practice of your past efforts and time behind you, so you're more likely to succeed if you stay committed. Just reframe the time frame. Now, my favorite reframing tool is this simple practice. Replace what if I can't with what if I don't. You see, whenever you consider taking a calculated risk or whether you should quit or continue or whether it's worth the effort, One of the first questions that comes to mind is, what if I can't? And this way of starting stops most people, or at least causes them to doubt, slow down, and encounter stress and worry. 
So use this reframing tool and throw out what if I can't and replace it with what if I don't. This powerful tool forces you to project forward and consider the future state of your life, your default future, if you don't do what you set out to do. You see, reframing frees up your emotions to focus on your end goal. When we give into our obsessive thinking or negative spirals about failure, we create drag, and this impacts our drive. So stop being a drag. Reframe positively quickly and get your mental telescope, your belief, your power back. I believe that positive images of our future are the most important factor in our ability to change and stay consistent in achieving any goal or worthwhile endeavor. Now, research published in the Journal of Sports Psychology supports this theory. Researchers followed two groups of bowlers during a series of lessons. After each lesson, they gave one group of bowlers a video playback of their bowling that was edited to show only their positive play, and the other group of bowlers were given similar video playbacks that were edited to show only their negative play. At the end, both had the same lessons, but those with positive playback had scores on average 30 points higher than the negative playback group. And this experiment has been replicated in golf, tennis, and many other sports. Positive images of the future have been shown to strengthen recall, create a strong emotional climate for change, and give you drive, resulting in more action. So, reframe your thinking by imagining your positive future. And let that view, like the golfers Jack Nicholas spoke about, be the view you use as your prevailing frame for life. And like Bezos, consider your regret list at age 80. And like the power of Galileo's telescope, frame your belief window and positive expectancy. And use the simple reframing tools to open your eyes to the right frame of reference, the truthful view, and the confidence that you will reach your goals. Ask what is the opposite but also true. Reframe by giving your thoughts new meaning. Adjust your time frame and replace what if I can't with what if I don't. And when you do, you'll find you're able to do what has previously been impossible to do. And you'll open your eyes to a new way of living. Thanks for being here today. If you can't find the next podcast, go to openyoureyes.org or mckaychristensen.org and link to our next episode. We'll talk about the next steps to opening your eyes in an upcoming podcast. I look forward to being with you again soon.